0: You would have sitting further back if you knew I was going to preach from the floor. I know it. No, none of the first rows would be filled. You're like, why are you preaching from the floor? Because uh, I felt like it. Can you see me? Yeah. All right, good. All right. I know I struggle with height, but I just want to make sure you can see me this morning. Hey, it's officially here. Uh, it's okay for you to have Christmas spirit. I just want you to know it's okay now. It was not Okay in the middle of November, right? Like, that was just never okay. I know some of you had it. I know, like we were driving home, or we were driving to an early Thanksgiving last week, and there were several stations with Christmas music on. I'm like, what are you doing? You're breaking the rule. No trees, no songs, no Christmas joy until after Thanksgiving, and then we spend a lot of money we don't have for gifts for people we don't like that much. And then it is time. And then it is time for Christmas. But the holiday season is officially upon us, whether you like it or not, and we all know what that means. Trees, I want you to know, I cut my tree down with my bare hands. Um, Yes, I had a saw, and for those of you who know me, it was a perfect cut, and you're shocked by that. Um, I put it in the stand, and it looked incredible, and Cheryl took over from there. Uh, Christmas also means parties, presents, shopping, traveling, excited children, The movie Elf, which we may or may not have already watched at our house, lights, way too much food. Like, you just know you will repent of gluttony after the holidays. Like, there's just no doubt about it. You're going to do it. My brother-in-law, Brandon, who's our youth pastor, told me that he's going to go gluten-free during December. That's a bad decision unless you have to. Okay, Brandon, don't do that. Like, I am ready to eat. Aren't you ready to eat? I love Christmas. And you're like, we can tell you're ready to eat. You always look ready to eat, Joe. All right? And then, of course, there's family. But that's not all Christmas means. It also means wild crowds, unmet expectations, glaring family dysfunction. Don't look at anybody. Glaring family dysfunction. Being reminded of the loved ones we lost who aren't here to celebrate with us anymore. And then there's also this thing with the holiday season. I don't know if you experience this, but sometimes, and I'm just going to admit this, sometimes I experience this, This foreboding sense that January is just around the corner and whatever distraction the holidays has provided for us, January's coming. And the hard realities that we just kind of push out of our minds until the holidays are over, guess what? January 2nd, they're waiting for you. You're like, this is kind of depressing. But this is the holidays, isn't it? There's joy and there's also some pain. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we experience a lot of different emotions during this time of year. We experience anticipation, joy, nostalgia, disappointment, regret, anger, longing. And for some of us, this is a season of profound grief. At least in my own life, I expect to have the positive feelings during the Christmas season But sometimes some of the negative emotions catch me off guard. Have you ever experienced that? Like, how many people are like, you're tracking with me? You're like, yeah, sometimes during the holidays, I get down a little bit. That happens. So I want to share a scripture with you this morning. This is kind of getting you ready to survive the holidays, okay? That's what I'm talking to you about today. Getting ready to survive the holidays, something better than a normal Christmas. Something better than normal. Here's what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-4. through four. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to us Lord, what we need most are not my words, but your word. Let it impact us. Let it comfort us. Let it encourage us. Let it challenge us. Amen. So, a little background on this verse. 2 Corinthians is the most biographical letter that the Apostle Paul has ever written. We learn the most personal information about Paul in 2 Corinthians. And the reason for this is that... Um, Paul spent a lot of 2 Corinthians defending his ministry as an apostle because there were many in the Corinthian church who were kind of saying, you know what, Paul, you're not the real thing. You're only doing this for the money. You're not a real apostle. And so Paul goes into at length some of the suffering and some of the hardship and some of the difficulty that he had experienced serving Jesus Christ. And so the reason he begins the letter by saying, praise be to God, the fa- God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, is because Paul has experienced so much hardship in his life. He only had one place to turn when life was hard, and that was to the Lord. I want to look at the truth of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-4, through 4. And I want to kind of answer this question using this text. How can we have a better than normal Christmas? How can, we have, how can we have a better than normal Christmas? There's only two things with a few subpoints. Number one, go to God for comfort. If you want to have a better than normal Christmas, go to God for comfort praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. So Paul tells us two things about God that should deeply impact us. Number one, our God is a father who is compassionate towards his kids The word compassion means merciful or moved to pity at the sight of another's hardship. Second, we are told that God is the God of all comfort. And that word comfort means encouragement. God is an encourager. He longs to encourage your spirit this morning, encourage your heart. If you are feeling weighed down by the trouble in life, how many of us have trouble? Yep. Like if your hand's not up, you're lying. Like you have trouble. Somewhere in your life, there is a point of pain. There is a point of regret. There's something that you don't want to talk about. There's disappointment. There's anger. There's fear. There's regret. We all have these troubles. And what we're being taught here about God is very important. When we find ourselves facing trouble and difficulty, catch this, God feels for you. God feels for you feels for you, like a father feels for a child in distress. God sees you, he knows what you're going through, and he is moved because he is your father through faith in Jesus Christ, your father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Paul is reminding us that when life is hard and we turn to God, God responds not with try harder, do better, you're a failure. He responds with, I want to comfort you. I want to hold you close. And some of us are like, no, that's a little too personal for me, a little too touchy-feely. I like to think of my God as a strong, victorious warrior. He is. He is. I like to think of my God as a just judge. He is. I like to think of my God as high and exalted, lifted up, ruling and reigning over all the earth. He is. But he's also a dad, a really, really good dad, who deeply, deeply feels for his children. Some of you resist that idea. You're like, that sounds nice. I wish that was for me. Here's a question you can pray through. Why do I have such a hard time receiving the extravagant love of God like we sang about this morning into my life? Psalm 103 verses 11 through 14 says this. Interestingly, Kevin read it. I didn't know he was going to read it. It's in my message, so we will read it again. It says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Verse 13... As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that you and I, we are dust. I think about this all the time. I think about the fact that God sees me and he says, Joe, you are dusty. What does that mean that you're dust? It means that God is completely aware of your issues. He's completely aware of your frailties. He knows you are a huge piece of work. Like all of us might be fooling a few people in our lives, except the people closest to us. The people who you let get close to you know you've got issues. Like it's easy for me, like you might be impressed from like there to here, but like if you spend 20 minutes with me, like all of my friends in the room, you're like, yeah, Joe, he's a piece of work. Go golfing with me. I need Jesus. Like, I get way too frustrated, and listen, I am so dusty. You are so dusty, and the Lord sees your dustiness. And he chooses to love you anyway. Isn't that amazing? Like, isn't it amazing the incredible love of God that he sees you as you are, and he says, yep, yep, that is a huge piece of work. (sighs) And I love and my heart is moved when they're in trouble, and I long to comfort them. Do you know that this is what God's heart is for you? Like for those of you who are here this morning and you're experiencing trouble and hardship and there's pain points in your life, do you know that God is longing to comfort you? Well, What does this have to do with the holidays? I'll tell you. Human beings, we are comfort seekers. We try and find comfort in all kinds of places. We try to find comfort in our relationships, in our entertainment, in our coffee cups, at our dinner tables, in our bank accounts. And around this time of year, I really think that a lot of us turn to Christmas culture to be comforted. Some of us, our hearts are so excited for the holidays because we're like, yes! Lights, presents, decorations, movies! Hot coffee by the fire. Family gatherings. Oh, the comfort will abound. And you know what? I love all those things. But none of them actually comfort your soul. See, I'm challenging you with the word of God to not run to all the normal places to find comfort. If we think about it, it would be fair to say that all of us are guilty of trying to find comfort apart from God. It is so easy to settle for the temporary comfort of Christmas culture instead of the real comfort that comes from the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. There are some of us, here's how you know where you're trying to find your comfort. This is going to be a little bit painful. There are some of us who put incredible pressure on our loved ones to comfort us and to encourage us. The holidays can leave us feeling disappointed because our expectations of other people are unbelievably high. Some of us are disappointed so much because our expectations are always through the roof for the loved ones in our lives. Some of us, we get so stressed out during the holidays. How many of us, we just, it's normal to experience stress during this time of year. We go over the top trying to impress our family. We overspend trying to make our kids happy. And then we don't give in January, a little pastor moment, moving on with the message. Some of us get so stressed by the holidays, we go over the top trying to impress our families. We overspend trying to impress our kids. We walk on eggshells. Don't look into anybody. We walk on eggshells trying to keep peace in our family. And for some of us, we feel this odd first world pressure. To make Christmas picture perfect. I want you to know that sometimes we do these things out of our spiritual poverty. Do you know that being stressed out, really high expectations, they're revealing a spiritual poverty in your soul. We don't find our comfort from our Heavenly Father. And because we don't experience His compassionate care for our souls, we spend our holiday season grasping for comfort that is so elusive. What do we need to do in order to have a better than normal Christmas? We need to remind our hearts that the comfort we're really craving is God's comfort. The compassion we need most is from the Lord. That means we can't get so busy, catch this, Write this down. Don't miss this, because I know we're all going to be tempted to do this, but we can't get so busy over the next month that we neglect slowing down and spending intentional time with God in prayer and letting his word bring comfort to us. This isn't a guilt trip. It's an invitation to enjoy God. Some of us, we think of things like prayer and reading the Bible. They're like duties for us. They're on a list. What do I got to do today? And what we miss when we think about those things as a duty, we miss the fact that God is inviting us to enjoy Him. How many of us are in a place right now where you would say, You are enjoying God? You are daily receiving His comfort, you are daily receiving His compassion. But here's the thing. Paul tells us a unique reason why we should seek God's comfort. The reason that I'm pushing you and the scriptures are pushing you to go to God for comfort is because you are called to comfort others. The second thing we need to do this Christmas in order to have a better than normal holiday season is you need to comfort others. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So here's what Paul is telling us. When you are walking through hard things and you are bringing your pain to the Lord, what is supposed to happen is this. You are supposed to go to God for comfort. You're supposed to experience his comfort. You're supposed to be putting his word in your heart. You're supposed to be reminding yourself of the truth. You're supposed to be spending time with God in prayer, letting his love and his compassion and his comfort wash over you. And then you're supposed to go out into the world and you're supposed to give that away. God comforts you not just for your good, but for the good of others. That's why going to God for comfort is not a selfish act. It's incredibly loving. Do you know what is selfish? Not going to God for comfort. That's actually selfish. Because when you're not going to God for comfort, you have nothing to give. Do you know that you can't give what you haven't received? I would love to give you a million dollars, Dave and Heather. That would be great. Do you know the problem? I don't have that. I'd love to give all of you a million dollars. But you know what? I don't have that kind of money. Because I don't have it. I can't give it. If you haven't received God's comfort into your life, You can't give it away. And here's what we often do when we have nothing to give. We function in platitudes. Oh, it's going to be alright. God's never going to give you anything more than you can handle. Really? Have you read the Bible? That is the furthest thing from the truth on the planet. There are a lot of things in my life that I can't handle. Actually, I think God is regularly letting us experience things we can't handle so we learn how dependent we are on him. Don't say that to anybody. We devolve into cliches when we have nothing to give. Or we encourage people to sin. Oh, you should definitely tell her off. Really? Yeah, you should, you should make sure that you get your way in that situation. Oh, that's the comfort people need? Be a jerk? or you just do self-help. You know what you really need to do? You really need to think more positive thoughts. You need to be more positive about your reality. You know what you actually need to do? You need to speak the future out, and you need to just choose your attitude and everything's gonna get better. That is not the gospel. The gospel is not positive thinking. It's wonderful to think positive, but that's not what people need most. They need Christ. They need truth. They need love. They need your compassion. They need you to slow down long enough to give them something real. So your job and my job is to comfort others. So here's a question. Let's say you're with me this morning. You're like, okay, Joe, we're with you. Uh, You actually believe that you should go to God for comfort and that you should comfort others. What should you do? How are you actually going to comfort others? I'm so glad you asked. Here are four things. Number one is this. How do we comfort others? Be present. Be present in people's lives. This is what Paul says that the, that the Corinthian church did for him. Catch this verse. Paul's talking about himself here. For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. But we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside. Fears within. Fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast. So what is Paul telling us? Catch that. What is he telling us? He's telling us that he was experiencing the emotion of being downcast. Paul was telling us that conflicts outside of him and fear within him had caused him to feel downcast. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Has anyone ever experienced that? And look at the comfort that came. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by a pillow with a scripture verse on it. Nope. By a precious moment's figurine. Nope. I'm going to get in trouble, so I'll stop there. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of who? Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. What is Paul saying? The comfort that he received was in the presence of a friend. That's not complicated, is it? Like if you're wondering, like, how do I comfort people? You show up. You're present. So let's talk about how good we are with our smartphones at being present. I'll tell you, not great. We are not wonderful at being fully present with our loved ones. A lot of us spend our holidays and our family time like this. Hmm, I wonder what's happening in other people's lives. That don't really matter to me. Huh, wow, did you see this? Oh my goodness, another terrorist attack. Oh, did you see this? Wonder if that GOP tax bill is going to get passed. Did you see this? News of the day, news of the day, news of the day. Oh, did you see this? That family got a new car. Hey, you know what? You know what people really need? Your attention. They need you to be present. You know what else is not going to encourage anyone? This is going to hurt a little bit. Your political hot take. I just want you to know that. I know you think you see the world perfectly. And I know that you think you know everything and you have this perfect political viewpoint that you want the world to adopt. But I'll just tell you, brother and sister, that has some enormous holes in it and I'm wondering if it's actually what Jesus is about, or just your party. Why am I saying this here? Because your family and your friends and your neighbors and your community and your workplace does not need a political hot take. They need someone who's been comforted by the living God and can give that comfort away. Do you know that a shoulder to cry on is better than your opinion? Do you know that when someone reveals their hurts to you, and listen, you have to have enough inner guts in order to be able to handle people actually sharing their stuff with you? How does someone get to a place that they're willing to share their stuff with you? They can tell you care. You look them in the eyes, you are right there with them. You are not distracted by the eagles 100% of the time. Nothing against eagles. Maybe a little something against eagles, but nothing against eagles. (laughs) What am I asking you to do? Be human. Be present. That will comfort people. Moms, dads, teenagers. Just a thought. This is not in the Bible. This is just a thought. What if we limited our technology use during the holidays so that we could be fully present? with the people God has put in our lives. And every time you want to grab your phone, ask yourself this question, why is my soul longing for distraction instead of presence? And maybe it's because you haven't been comforted by God yet. Here's the second thing. This is going to be intense. Forgive. Whew! I like this message until here. The punishment, Paul's talking about someone in the church, the punishment inflicted on him. We don't know who the him is. Some people guess who Paul is talking about. You might guess. I actually think the evidence isn't strong enough to guess. So we're just going to say there's someone in the Corinthian church who sinned, and this is what Paul is saying. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. We're not going to talk about church discipline now. Maybe another Sunday. You're welcome. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Now instead, instead of what? Walking in unforgiveness. You ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Oh. So. So. Raise your hand if you have a boiling conflict in your family, just kidding, don't do that. Here's reality. You know what would make this a better than normal Christmas? If you walked in forgiveness towards people who have hurt you. And notice that Paul uses the word comfort here. Think about this, maybe that person who you have let so much bitterness, build up in your soul over, needs to be comforted by the simple words, I forgive you. Listen, I know you all have a world-class, airtight reason why you can't forgive. Do you know every person I've ever met who's walking in unforgiveness, they always have the most incredible reason in their mind why they're not going to forgive, There is so much talk of you don't understand, you don't get it. And listen, you're right. When I counsel people who are walking in unforgiveness, I just kind of lay that on the table. You're right, I don't understand and I don't get it, and frankly, that does not matter. But if you really want to be a comfort to people this Christmas, you need to forgive. Now listen, I always want to be clear about something if laws have been broken in the way that someone has offended you, I'm not saying continue to be abused. I'm not saying don't go to the police. But I'm guessing that's not most of us, maybe a few of us. Most of us, it's just plain old bitterness. And we have convinced ourselves, justified our reasons why we will not forgive. And that is going to end up in another normal Christmas. Followers of Jesus do relationships differently. We are the first to forgive. Well, what if they don't apologize? Is this fourth grade? Some of us are still emotionally in fourth grade. Because we haven't got to the place in our relationship with Jesus where we are undone and blown away by the cross and by the gospel. When we see Jesus and we picture Jesus hanging, brutalized on a cross, we don't think how desperately I needed Him to do that for me. We're unimpressed by our Savior's death and you know you're unimpressed by the Savior's death if you are walking in unforgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean I trust you. Forgiveness does not mean watch my kids. Forgiveness does not mean here's alone. Forgiveness means I am done holding this against you. And when you come up in my mind's eye, I pray, Lord, Help me to forgive that one. Forgiveness is a process. There's been people in my life who've hurt me that sometimes I think I've forgiven them, and when their name comes up, I get a little ornery, and I get a little sarcastic. And then here's what I realize. Yeah, I haven't forgiven yet. So what do I need to do, Lord? I haven't forgiven so-and-so yet. Help me to forgive them because that is your will for my life. Here's the third thing, my favorite point. Open your wallet, open your wallet. You're like, how, how did we get here? So when Paul went to, wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians, he wanted to receive an offering for the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And so what Paul wanted to do was raise money because the Jerusalem church was living in poverty. And so Paul spends 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9 teaching the Corinthians about sacrificial giving. And look what he says would happen when the Corinthians gave their money. It says this, this service, what is that? The offering, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service, that's the offering, by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God. For the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So look at what Paul is saying. When you give to people in need, they praise God. They give thanks to God. Do you want to comfort someone this Christmas? Open up your wallet. Give your money to someone who is in need. That will be a better than normal Christmas. All of us know people who could use a blessing this Christmas. And here's what I'm actually proposing, just so you're like, what are you actually talking about? This is confusing. I'm talking about maybe spending less on yourself and using some of what you would spend on yourself and people in your life who already have everything. Now, maybe you don't have everything. Maybe there are some real needs in your family. Okay, that's absolutely the case for some of us. But for a lot of us, there's definitely margin to bless extravagantly. And do you know why you'd want to do that? Because a financial gift can comfort the soul. Because when you give in the name of Jesus, people praise God. One of the most exciting things for me as a pastor is being able to call some of our missionaries who are just taking on and letting them know that Spring Valley is able to support them. I love that phone call. One of the best parts of my job. Why do I love it so much? Because there is so much gratefulness on the other end and there is so much joy there that we get to partner in the gospel because it's a blessing to our missionaries. And maybe some of you don't know this. There is great joy in giving in secret without needing a tax deduction. Just doing something for someone and they don't know it. Do you know how much joy and peace there is in just saying, I just want to bless this person? That's happened to Cheryl and I a few times in our life, and we've got to do that at different points in our life. And there's this guy, his name is Jesus. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So you want to have a better than normal Christmas? Find someone in need and bless them. Bless them. Encourage them. Let them know you're praying for them. And if you do it anonymously, write a little note with the check or with the cash and just say, I love you and I'm praying for you and I wanted this to be anonymous. May God bless you this Christmas season. Wouldn't it be amazing if like everyone in this room chose someone in our lives who we know needed it and we just bless them? Man, I know in my own life, I have never regretted blessing or giving in my whole life. I want to let you know that every uh, December, we do a Christmas offering. And this year, our Christmas offering is going to be for three uh, organizations. We're going to give to Operation Backpack in Pottstown and Operation Backpack is a feeding program, and so there's students in uh, our area who are on the school lunch program. So how they eat lunch every, uh, every day during the week is subsidized uh, through the government, and so they get their lunch for free because their families are poor. What Operation Backpack does, and I love this, is they send students home with a backpack full of food for the weekend, because there's no school lunch on Saturday and Sunday. And so we want to join with that organization, so our Christmas offering is going to go towards Operation Backpack. We're also going to give towards Project Purpose. Uh, Many of you are familiar with that. That's an organization that is a tutoring organization and it's also a feeding program for a lot of uh, students living in Rolling Hills, which is a, a housing project really in Lower Potts Grove. I live super close to there and Project Purpose does incredible work. Some of you are involved there. We want to give to Project Purpose. And then we're going to give the last third of our Christmas offering to the Spring Valley Benevolence Fund because we want to be able to respond to needs within our own congregation. And our Benevolence Fund is looking a little thin these days. And so we want to be able to say yes when people have a need. And I want you to know we use wisdom and we have a rubric before we just give to someone. But we really love to help people who are hurting. And so some of that offering is going to go to our Benevolence Fund. And so as you're thinking about opening up your wallet to comfort others this Christmas, can you just earmark some dollars for this Christmas offering? You can give it online, you can give it in service all throughout the month of December. Great news, there's five Sundays in December, more time to give to the Christmas offering. And also, please do not take what you're going to tithe and give it to the Christmas offering. That's not helpful. This is above and beyond your normal giving. So open your wallet this Christmas. And here's the last thing. I love this part. It was my favorite part of the whole message. We're almost done. Number four stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Right after Paul tells us about how God is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, and that we're supposed to go to God for comfort, and then when we go to God for comfort, we're supposed to comfort others, Paul says this For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. What does it mean that the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives? It means that as we follow Jesus, there are moments of our journey when we experience suffering like Jesus experienced suffering. The reality of this verse should sober us. We need to know this. As we follow Christ, sometimes we suffer because of our allegiance to Christ. Jesus was persecuted. Christians are persecuted. Jesus was betrayed and maligned and mocked. Christians experience betrayal, being maligned and being mocked for the sake of Christ. The Apostle Paul certainly experienced much suffering for Christ. But when we stay close to Jesus... This can and will happen to you. If you are going to follow Jesus faithfully, the sufferings of Christ will spill over into your life. However, as we follow Jesus, it's not only His suffering that we experience, it's also His comfort. People who are walking with Jesus regularly experience the comfort of Christ. Why does this matter? Because you can be an incredible blessing and source of comfort to others simply by staying close to Jesus. As you walk with Christ and you experience His comfort, you will actually have something priceless to offer hurting people. Jesus. Jesus Christ comforts you And this comfort you experience will be the source of your ministry to other people. Do you know that the holidays are a ripe time to drift from Jesus Christ? Yes, we are anticipating the celebration of Jesus' birth. And yet, instead of drawing close to Jesus, we get consumed by shopping, wrapping, cooking, decorating, and go, go, going. But do you know that God has put you on the planet to love Care for and encourage and comfort others in Jesus' name. You have a purpose this Christmas, and it is to be a comfort in Jesus' name. Staying close to Jesus, not just for your benefit, but also so that God can use you to comfort others. What are we really saying this morning? Think about this. If we are being encouraged to be present in people's lives who are hurting if you are being encouraged to forgive those who have hurt you, if you are being encouraged to give generously to those in need, then what we are really being challenged by this morning is to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to our broken and dark world this Christmas season. The greatest gift you and I have to offer our family, our workplace, and our neighborhood is Christ. We need to both show the love of Christ with our actions and share the love of Christ with our words. What would make this Christmas season better than normal would be if every one of us chose to show the love of Christ and to share the love of Christ. Jesus is the only source of comfort we have to offer. Jesus is the only source of comfort we have to offer. So before we get stressed out and before we go 100 miles an hour, before we go wild overspending and before we get so deep into the holiday season that we lose sight of Christ, how about we start by saying I need to stay close to Jesus because I need to be able to give what he's given me at a moment's notice. It actually changes the way you think about your life. It's not, what do I have to do today? It's more, God, what do you want to do through me today? What if instead of just checking things off our Christmas to-do list, which I know you got to do those, but in the midst of your doing, you're saying, God, keep my eyes wide open to people around me who need to be comforted. Wouldn't it be amazing if we sat here in January just renewed spiritually because Christmas was awesome, not because we got a gift that we really wanted, but because we did everything we could to make our relationships whole and healthy, because we were present and we didn't spend the whole Christmas season staring at our cell phones? We were praying that God would open the door for us to have real conversations with our family. We were generous. We were generous. And we were just passionate for Christ. What if we had a vision of January 7th when we all come back here? after the holidays, and we have church every week until then, by the way, but if we got back here on January 7th, and we weren't depressed and down and dejected because the holidays were over, but we were fired up because we saw God move in our lives. God wants to move in you and through you, and it begins with you going to him for comfort every time you need it, and it continues with you having your eyes wide open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit for the people that God has put in your life to comfort. That would make Christmas better than normal. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful for this family of God. Lord, I, I see in people's faces this morning a, an eagerness and an agreement that this is good because it's your word. And so Lord, I pray that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would help us to live for you and stay close to you this Christmas season. And Lord, when our Christmas to-do list is asking us to dance before we've gone with you, to you for comfort, I pray we'd have the strength and the wisdom to know getting things done is far less important than being with Jesus. Lord, we aren't here to accomplish Christmas. We aren't here to get through Christmas. We're here to be your hands and feet. We're here to be salt and light. We're here so that people can experience your extravagant love through us. Father, use us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.